a lot of people think, oh, I want to take a rest or a break from it. Why don't I drink alcohol? Or why don't I use drugs or something like that? And it's like, no, 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 that's not a break either. That's not scratching that. It's actually making it worse. We need to talk more about what a real break looks like. And the answer is not substances. There are healthy ways to cope that actually give you that feeling of rest that you're chasing. But we just get desperate and try to fill that hole with whatever we can fit in it. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Johnny Crowder, founder and CEO of Cope Notes. As a suicide and abuse survivor, Johnny Crowder spent his formative years searching for resources to help him cope with his mental health conditions, ranging from OCD and bipolar disorder to schizophrenia. Johnny's firsthand experience with mental illness combined with his university-level education in psychology and contagious positivity, provide a spirit of advocacy and compassion unlike any other. Through both music and motivational speaking, Johnny's testimony has impacted millions of lives across the globe by demystifying taboo psychological principles and sensitive topics with levity and wit. After nearly a decade of clinical treatment, volunteer peer counseling, and public advocacy, Johnny now relies on the strategies he shares through Cope Notes to live a happier, healthier life than ever before. Johnny founded Cope Notes, a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries around the world. And in addition, if that's not enough, he's also a TEDx speaker and touring musician. Listen in for some great takeaways about Johnny's entrepreneurial venture and mission to help the world cope better. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the awesome pleasure of being here today with Johnny Crowder, founder and CEO of Cope Notes. Thanks for joining us today, Johnny. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So listen, I know who you are, but a lot of our listeners don't know who you are. Can you share with our audience a background? I know it's a long one, but a background about who Johnny Crowder is. Yeah. The best way I can sum that up 30 years and 30 seconds is probably I grew up in an abusive household with a bunch of different mental health diagnoses. And then I resisted treatment for a long time, and then I began treatment in high school, and then I started taking college-level psych in high school, and then I went to college for psych, and then I started getting involved in peer support and public advocacy and volunteering with NAMI. So in one way or another, whether it was when I was a kid, when I was hallucinating and self-harming, all the way to now when I'm literally running a mental health technology company... For whatever reason, better or worse, my decision or not, mental health has been like a cornerstone of my life. That's amazing. And that's one of the things that our listeners know. I'm very passionate about mental health. Suicide prevention is very important to me. And that's why this May, we're highlighting a lot of great people who are doing great work in the mental health field. So 
I also should give you a plug because I watched it myself. If you really want to delve in and learn a lot more about Johnny and his background, I would highly suggest taking a look and watching and listening to his TED Talk. I thought that was fantastic. Thank you a ton. I need to get used to saying that, like also watch my TED Talk. That feels so cool. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's a way to really delve in and get that background about you for sure. So listen, I want to share with our listeners, because I think this is where a lot of things started for you. Can you tell our listeners about the text that you sent in 2017 and how that changed your life? Yeah. So let me preface this by saying that I grew up feeling like I didn't get a lot of support and encouragement and positive input from people. And as a result, my negative thoughts would always compound. Like no one was interrupting those thoughts. And I was bad at interrupting my own negative thoughts because I kind of agreed with them. So it was like this constant, uninterrupted negative thought train. And I was wondering if other people experienced something similar. So I wrote out a text. I can probably look up to find out the exact words that I used in the text. But I wrote this text. I tried to think, what do I really need to hear right now? Like, what do I wish someone would text me right now that would help me feel better, break that negative thought pattern? And I wrote something like, hey, the second half of today could be great, even if the first half kind of sucked. The past and the future are completely separate things, and you never know what will happen next. It wasn't even really nuanced or super thought out. It was just like the first thing that came to my mind. And I sent that out to a bunch of friends in my phone book, unsolicited, by the way. Like I wasn't (laughs) in the middle of a conversation with these people. I just sent them a message to see what would happen. Random. And... A lot of them responded saying like, whoa, how did you know I needed to hear that? And it's weird because some people said, oh, this morning sucked and I hope tonight is great because I have a job interview. And then other people were like, well, today has been great, but three weeks ago I got in a car accident and I've been stressing about it. And then next week I'm going on my first date with this person. I really hope it goes well. So it still applied to me, even if not directly. And I was like, holy crap, people really need way more positive stimulus than we realize. Right. Yeah. And so is that how Cope Notes really came to be? I mean, maybe we should start backwards first and tell folks and have you explain what Cope Notes is all about and how it works and then tie it back to how that text really kind of was the impetus for that. At the time, I was running something called Not a Therapist, which was an online peer support resource. And the text idea was just going to be a feature of not a therapist. So I never planned on making it its own thing. But really, Cope Notes, what we do is we do exactly that. We interrupt negative thought patterns with catalysts for positive thought, like journaling prompts and psychology facts and exercises. And over time, those text messages train the brain to think in healthier patterns naturally so that you can be good at challenging negative thoughts and you do trend towards more positive thoughts. So it's so funny. We use these like dinky little text messages, like a, just a couple sentences each. And over time, it chips away at depression and anxiety and fatigue and loneliness and guilt and shame and anger and all of these different things that all of us experience. And that text was actually, I guess, my first like beta test of what it would look like to try sending those text messages. So without sending that message, I don't know that Cope Notes would exist today. And without people responding, And letting me know that that message helped them or resonated with them in some way. Like if nobody responded, I might have never started the company. Right, right. So Cope Notes, obviously what you're mentioning is it's a text message that goes out to your users. It has a 
different stance, I guess, every day. It's sometimes thought-provoking, sometimes just something to think about, sometimes something to actually do more and actually be mindful and maybe write down some certain things. And my understanding is, as a user myself, is it comes at random times of the day, and that's kind of part of the process also that you came up with. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So a lot of people think like, why don't I just set a timer every day that says like, be grateful at 2 p.m.? And answer is like, well, first of all, do that. Like, if you've never tried that, do (laughs) that, because I don't think it's going to harm you. Right. But a lot of times what happens is your brain starts to catalog information. You can picture it kind of like folders. So there's a folder of new and novel information that your brain wants to prioritize. And then there's a folder of information that your brain has already processed in the past at some point. So like, I don't think critically about your name being Larry. Right. I take it for granted because I already knew that. So my brain isn't like camping out on like, wow, what a unique thing. It's like, no, I've already processed that. So your brain, as a result, after maybe the first couple of days of that alarm going off, you're like, oh, wow, hmm, I should be grateful right now. What am I really grateful for? And then a week in, your brain is oh, we don't really even need to do that. We already processed that yesterday and the day before. So you'll find yourself unconsciously turning off the alarm without even processing any of the information because your brain, all it cares about is efficiency. So we were like, what if we could (laughs) surprise the brain every single day? So you never knew when the text was coming or what the text will say. And over time, we were like, shouldn't enough consistent surprises keep the brain on its toes in perpetuity? And the answer is yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. I guess I have to change my kind of gratitude journaling that I write down a few things I'm grateful for in the morning. I should probably try to jumble it up a little bit and not just do it every morning. I don't know. No, no, no. So I do my journaling every single night before I go to bed and I do my gratitude checklist. If you have something that works for you, do it because the biggest difference is you're choosing to do that. So that is output. Right. If you're making a conscious choice, that's output. I'm saying input is processed differently. No taking, then I'm not going to change. Dude, if it's working for you, keep it up. I love it. I think it's a good thing to start out the day with. I could see the value of doing it before bed also and kind of going into that state of gratitude before you kind of lay your head down and hopefully have a good night's sleep as well. So there's benefits all along, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's working. So I've heard you say personal growth sucks, right? And that really struck a chord with me. Can you share why you say that? Yeah. You know, I have friends who work at Starbucks and play Call of Duty and just kind of don't take life too seriously. They're just like having fun. They're not like super concerned with growing and improving as a person. And a lot of times when I hang out with them, they're pretty dang relaxed, right? (laughs) Like they don't have a lot on their plate. But once you start realizing like, oh, I kind of sabotaged a lot of my interpersonal relationships. I want to work on that. All of a sudden, you're biting off this like huge task. Like, oh no, (laughs) not only do I still have work and still have school and still have all these other things I'm working on, now I have to like chip away at this decades old pattern that I've recognized as unhealthy. Don't I just wish I could go back in time before I knew it was unhealthy and just not work on it because my life would be easier. But The weird paradox is, although your brain is very resistant to change, it benefits so much from it. So it's kind of like, even though growing feels grueling and slow and painstaking and frustrating, it takes so much time and energy, 
it's actually the very best, healthiest thing you could do for your brain. So it's kind of like, do you want to do the easy thing or the good thing? And the good thing might be really hard. Well, I mean, in a lot of cases, isn't it the old saying, good things come to those that wait. When you have work and there's effort, you value it more. So I I would imagine that kind of pulls right into personal growth also. If it was easy, everybody would be able to do it and there wouldn't be a lot of value there, I guess, either. That's my whole point is like people, (laughs) and I talk about it in my TED talk, like I'm tired of people who are like, yeah, in four hours, you'll be a whole new person (laughs) or or like, you know, take this one pill and then you'll be magically like, dude, don't you think if there was like immediate long-term fixes that everybody would be using that stuff all the time? Like the fact is it's, and this is what Cope Notes has already, has always pushed is it is completely possible that one text could change your life. That happens Mm -hmm. all the time in people's lives all over the world. However, if you stop there, it'll be one finite incident. What we really care about is like, if you could just do a little bit every single day over time, that's what builds that lasting change. And anyone who has ever tried to lose weight or go on a diet or (laughs) learn a new language knows that those overnight fixes, those like quick fixes or miracle cures or whatever, almost 10 times out of 10, they're easier, but they don't actually give you the results you want. If you really want the results, you're probably going to have to do something that's a little bit harder. Yeah, they're easier because they usually don't work. (laughs) That's why they're easier. I think, is that really why it's so important for people to take ownership of their own growth? I mean, is that really the benefit there? I feel like it's very difficult to make progress if you are expecting other people and other things to make that progress for you. It's kind of like the bystander effect. Mm. If you saw someone trip, can you imagine being like, well, somebody else will help them up? Right. It's like this picture this like old lady with a bunch of groceries and she falls and all their groceries fall out. And you just look at her and you're like, well... Well, it's not really my job to help her. Like, it's not my groceries. Someone else will help her, I'm sure. That's what we do with our mental health every day. We like feel depressed and we're like, well, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Maybe I'll get a therapist and my therapist will make me feel better. So your, your therapist doesn't make you feel better. Right. Your therapist helps you help yourself feel better. Like, you're still going to have to have to help that lady up at some point. It's just whether or not you want to do it now or later. It's still your responsibility. So are there benefits to having like for an accountability group, right? Is there a benefit to having an accountability partner to help you through that personal growth to be there for you that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, I don't want to do this today to kind of proverbially smack you upside the head and say, hey, you got to do this because we're in this together kind of thing. You know, it's funny. I um, went on this founder wellness retreat last year as a bunch of tech founders and I asked, you know, they were saying like, please don't work while you come here. Like, I know it's hard for all you tech founders (laughs) to not work for five whole days, but you're going to be in the jungle. Okay. So don't turn this into a work retreat where you're just like holed up in your room on your computer all the time. Like spend time with people, heal, think critically about things that are not work. And I asked on the call, hey, does somebody want to be like my accountability buddy? Will somebody else choose not to work and then we can together hold each other accountable? (laughs) And GV, the guy who put on the retreat was like, hey, I want to respectfully push back on that and say that it's not anybody else's job here to make sure that you don't work. If you want to make that your mission, 
you can share it with us, but right. don't add to someone else's to-do list to like make <laughs> that happen. I was like, oh shoot, I never thought of it like that. So a fair point. There's a balance. Like I regularly ask people to hold me accountable or keep me in check or let me know if my mental and emotional health is changing or my attitude is declining, anything like that. I'm like, please keep me posted. But I have to know at the end of the day, you know what? I want to go back. I want to change my old lady with the groceries tripping <laughs> sure. analogy to make myself the old lady with the groceries. So picture this. Because the thing I just shared, I think most people would help somebody else up. So that's right. like maybe not a great analogy. Picture this. You're walking with a bag full of groceries and you fall. And now you're on the floor and all your groceries are all over the place. And then you just sit there and wait for somebody else to pick your groceries up. That's what we do. Right. And so I think GV's point was like, other people can and will help you and you can ask for that. But at the end of the day, it's not their groceries. So nobody owes you stopping to pick them up. Like you still have to participate in this. I think that's a great point and point well taken. So I want to pivot for a minute here. I'd like you to share with us. You have the rest symbol tattooed on your arm. Can you share with us the story and the significance behind that? Yeah. So I'm in a band that's called Prison. And we sing a lot about mental health and sobriety and addiction and self-harm and like all of these things that aren't commonly talked about, especially in like heavy music. It's right. There's lots of like tough guy stuff. So there's not <laughs> enough of people being honest about what they're going through. And we have incorporated the rest symbol into our logo. The I in prison is actually a rest symbol and it has a semicolon and a rest symbol. So the semicolon is pretty commonly understood symbol for suicide prevention. And it's right. the thinking behind it is it's like a semicolon is used when an author could have chosen to end a sentence, but they chose not to, they chose right. to keep going. So it's really kind of beautiful and poetic. And I grew up as a writer, like doing copywriting, copy editing. So that really resonated with me. But then the rest symbol is something I've always been fond of because actually my second TED talk, I talk a lot about the idea that for a long time, I thought I wanted death. Like I thought I wanted to end my own life. But then I realized slowly over time that what I really wanted was rest, was peace. Like you don't need to actually die to experience a reprieve from the pain or frustration or heartache that you're experiencing. You can just take a break from it, like a temporary break, not a permanent break. You're the second person that has shared that similar experience on this show. We had a mm. former NHL hockey player, Theo Fleury, who's very involved in the mental health space. And he talks about having a gun and it being loaded. And again, he wasn't looking to die. He was looking to kind of rest and take a siesta from all yeah. that was going on around him. Very powerful, very powerful stuff. And a lot of people think, oh, I want to take a rest or a break from it. Why don't I drink alcohol or why don't I use drugs or something like that? And it's like, no, 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 that's not a break either. Right. That's not scratching that. It, it's actually making it worse. Like right. we need to talk more about what a real break looks like. And, and the answer is not substances. Like there are healthy ways to cope that actually give you that feeling of rest that you're chasing. But we just get desperate and try to fill that hole with whatever right. we can fit in it. Something else that it may just be temporary and, and give mm -hmm. us the feeling we're looking for at the moment, but not necessarily the long-term relief that we're looking for either. Yeah. 
So I want to talk about, and I like giving folks actionable ideas that they can listen to us having a conversation and walk away today and potentially implement and be helpful. So what is the best tip that you have for someone who wants to build their life around positivity and kindness? What's something that they could start implementing in their life today in order to start framing their life that way? Something that has helped me, everyone has done this. Everyone has had a friend who experienced a failure and then you've tried to cheer them up afterwards. So let's say like, you know, your friend is in the talent show at school or something and you're in high school and she sings and she sounds terrible. She just completely, (laughs) she forgets the lyrics and then she drops the microphone and then it's just a disaster. And afterwards she's like, oh, it's such a disaster. And you go, but your hair looked great. (laughs) You like dig down and try to find some positive truth to whatever that person was experiencing. We do this for our friends constantly, but we never do it for ourselves. So something that I try to do is like, if I experience something that's very frustrating, I'll try to picture it. Like if I was my friend right now, trying to cheer me up, I would probably cherry pick some positive thing that came from it. So I think it helps if you can try to begin treating yourself as you would treat a friend of yours. Because the more you think about yourself as yourself, the less you realize that you are a person also. Like I know a lot of moms who just don't eat dinner because they're so worried about, you know, I made five plates. I got my husband's plate and then I got my two kids plates and then they had a friend over and then our cousin is in town. So everybody's eating and it's like, well, yeah, everybody but you. So if you can kind of mentally give yourself a plate, it just helps you start treating yourself as if you are at least equal to the people you care about. Yeah, because we have a tendency to be kinder and more positive for people around us than we are ourselves. So I Mm -hmm. think taking that reflection back and saying during those times, hey, how would I have treated my friend, family, child in the same situation? I think that adds a lot of uh, positivity to it. So I want to talk about Cope Notes for a few minutes. I've heard so many stories about how Cope Notes has impacted users. Is there a specific story that stands out to you about somebody who's either reached out to you or the company saying how this impacted them? Would you be, you know, to share with us? Yeah, there's one story that jumps to mind every time. It's basically there was this dude who was fully planning on ending his own life and climbed to the top of this building and got onto the ledge. And the ledge was lined with seashells. You know that kind of concrete that has like seashells in it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he climbed to the top and the ledge had that type of concrete. And then he remembered a text from a couple weeks or a couple months prior that mentioned seashells. And then he just like stopped and started thinking about it. And then he got down, called his mom, His mom took him to rehab, and then he told me this story after he got out of rehab. And it was like, what? Seashells? (laughs) Seashells? Really? That was it? And there's so many stories like that where like a little mention of something like popcorn or something totally innocuous that you and I wouldn't assign a ton of meaning to. Right. Your brain is trying to survive and be healthy. Your brain is an organ, and that's all your organs try to do. But life doesn't make that easy. So if we just arm it with a ton of different examples and ammunition to protect itself, then in those dire moments of need, it digs back into your memory and life experience and tries to find something to help it. And sometimes that life raft is a text about seashells. 
That's an amazing story. And you never know what's going to be that one thing that's going to stand out to somebody and hopefully impact them like the seashells in the text message impacted that individual. Yeah, We have a lot of folks who are entrepreneurs, business owners that listen to our show. And I was impressed with how organizations and companies can use Cope Notes. Can you tell us how, if I'm a company, I'm a business, I'm like, man, I would really like to implement this positivity into my workplace. How do I do that for my team? What options are available? If you literally go to copenotes.com and click plans and pricing or go to copenotes.com slash group, for example, and you can see how we work with groups. I want to be super careful by not turning this into a commercial, but I will definitely say this. If you are a leader or responsible for a team, the fact is, Now, I'm a leader. I might not have as big of a staff as you do, as many employees as you do, as large of an organization as you do. But the fact is, I know that leaders and entrepreneurs, we have precious little time available to support the people that we want to support. We wish we could spend all day supporting every single person who works for us, but we don't have that luxury. And Cope Notes is all about scaling that daily support that you wish you could provide for your team. Because the fact is, you don't know... If your sales ops leader is experiencing postpartum depression right now. Right. And in some ways, it would be kind of bizarre if you were like, hey, can we hop on Zoom and can you tell me all about your postpartum (laughs) depression? Right. I don't know that you can even do that in New York, by the way. I don't know that that's even a legal uh, thing to have a conversation about. But so that's kind of my point is like all good leaders want to take care of their people. Every last one of them. But I would argue that 99% of them don't have the bandwidth to do that. And in in many cases, like you just said, it's not exactly appropriate to just launch into a big conversation (laughs) about what they're going through if they didn't bring it to you. So Cope Notes offers that daily support that in an ideal world, you would be able to offer everybody yourself. Right. And my understanding is it's like FSA and HSA eligible. So And again, I don't want to go into commercial necessarily, but you've gone through the proper channels to get this approved that it can be used as an adjunct to health insurance and those vehicles that would allow you to purchase health-related purchases, if you will. Yeah. If if there's someone listening and they're like, I want to know exactly how it can plug in or exactly how to work with CopeNotes, just you can literally send me an email directly, johnny at copenotes.com, and I will either handle it myself or forward it to someone at Cope Notes that would be more equipped to handle it than me. But at the end of the day, we really want to support communities and a team is just a micro community. Sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I want to talk about for a second, whether it be mental health or physical health, again, going back to those takeaways, what advice do you have for people who are quote unquote waiting for that moment? that moment to either get mental their mental health in order or that moment to get their physical health in order. Okay, I'm going to use a really silly example. I don't even think this is going to be nearly as impactful as a more conscious, intentional example, but I'm just going to use it and see how it goes. So <laughs> I bought a used car maybe 18 months ago or something, maybe closer to two years ago. And When I bought it, the tint, the window tint was peeling up off of the windows and it was driving me nuts. Like every time I open the door, you hear it crinkle. Every time I try to put the windows down, it like pulls the tint up the window and like scrapes (laughs) and it's just driving me nuts. And so I kept saying, oh, I need to get that tint fixed. 
oh, I should get that 10 fixed over and over and over again for almost two years. And I kept thinking I'll do it later. And then I finally got it fixed. And I thought, why did I unnecessarily contribute 18 months of frustration every time I got in my car when I didn't save any money? I didn't save any time. It did not benefit me to wait. I was just putting it off for so long that now let's say I own the car for seven years, for example. I just made sure that like a third of my ownership of the car was miserable and frustrating. Right. That's what I did. And we all do that with our own lives. We're like, well, I'm 41 and maybe I'll wait till I'm like 45 to start looking into treatment options. It's like, why would you consciously contribute multiple years of extra frustration when it's not going to benefit you in any way to wait. Yeah. And also goalpost moving allows us to go, well, you know, now I'm 45, but maybe 50 is like the time when I should really take care of it. We just keep kicking the can down the road. Keep rationalizing it to ourselves, I guess, right? I've never heard anybody <laughs> say, ugh, I wish I didn't start taking care of my mental health until later in life. Right. I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> I think you started out saying it was a silly example, but I think it's a perfect example. Everybody can think of an example like your used car and the tint that in mm-hmm. that happened in their life that they could equate back and draw that line back to their own mental health and physical health. And you're right. I mean, it's something typically very easy to start the process. It may not be easy to fix or take care of it. You know, you got to be accountable and put the work in, right? Yeah. So there's a little more involvement by us to correct that issue than maybe in the tint story. But why live five, six, seven years of your life, of your precious life, being annoyed by something that you could potentially start working on and fixing today? It's a great analogy, I think. So listen, my younger son is a huge sneaker fan, and he'd be upset if I didn't ask you this question, which is, and most people, you can't see this because you're not seeing the video, but Johnny's got a whole host of sneakers behind him. And I knew that he is a sneakerhead himself. So what is your most prized pair of sneakers? Mm, That I own? Yeah. I don't really play favorites all that much, but I will say that I really like, I have the Air Jordan 1, they're called Obsidian, but it's really UNC colors. Okay. And that's like a pair that I get to wear to work. (laughs) because like when I speak at conferences and stuff, it's like not super ridiculous and childish. Like I have some really crazy looking pairs here, but that's a pair that I wind up wearing to work functions a lot. And I absolutely adore them. Yeah. I guess like J Balvin's, some of those are a little bit on the crazier side. (laughs) Here's my problem. I can't pay resale. I can't do it. Okay. Maybe if I wind up experiencing that like classic entrepreneur life that everybody pictures where you're like, on a boat and you're like driving a Lamborghini and stuff. If I'm there, then maybe I can start paying resale for sneakers. But until then, dude, I can't justify (laughs) double the price just because someone bought them before me. What? My son has bought, worn, cleaned them up and sold them and was used and gotten the same, if not more. So I get the pain. He also, if there's anything coming up that you can't get on a drop, he's actively always out there looking to grab them. So I'm sure he'll appreciate your Jordan ones more than me. I wish this interview was last week because I just tried and failed to get a pair of UNC Air Jordan 6s that just dropped. So if anybody's listening and feels (laughs) like and is an 11 and a half, let me know because I am on the hunt. 
All right. Well, at least you're not a 13, because my understanding is those are Jeez. very difficult to get in. I believe it. Most, most of the shoes, very difficult. So yeah. thank you for sharing. Hope your collection continues to grow. And hopefully you get to the point where you feel comfortable rewarding and buying <laughs> yourself those resales that uh, you don't feel comfortable today. So yeah. hopefully you get to that point. So listen, what's up next for Johnny Crowder and Cope Notes? What's coming down the pike for you? That's a good question. I need a crystal ball and I'll tell you exactly. This year, I'm doing a heck of a lot more public advocacy. So like going out and speaking at conferences and events and summits and stuff. And that's like a blast is my favorite part of my job. And it's also getting me back to my roots of mental health advocacy, like before Cope Notes even existed. That was my job. I was like going to speak. I was raising public awareness and helping people understand what mental illness actually looks like and what they can do to support other people who are experiencing it and take care of their own mental health. It's like my favorite thing in the world. And I'm finally getting to do more of it this year now that things are opening up. Mm -hmm. And then as far as Cope Notes, we're doing a lot more work with big groups. So early on in Cope Notes history, we were serving mostly individuals like you and me. And then, you know, like we have gift subscriptions, we have family subscriptions, but then slowly we've been starting to work with larger groups, like maybe an insurance company here and a county government there. And over time, we're just like starting to impact more and more lives. So I think our focus in 2022 is definitely more on like, what's the next step up the ladder of influence? How can we maybe get, rather than Cope Nodes being just in the sales department at your organization, how do we integrate it into every department? And we're kind of like trying to trade up to impact more and more people rather than allowing people to assume that mental health only affects these small, tiny little portions of their population. Right. Well, those are some great things you have on the docket. And it sounds to me like you're a true example of hey, if I do something I love, I really never work a day in my life because it seems like you're having a lot of fun and enjoying every minute of what you're doing. I do want to (laughs) clarify, I work every freaking day of my life. So anyone listening, just know, I will always be real about that stuff. I think you should be too. If you work hard, tell people it's hard. Don't pretend it's easy. You don't win any extra points for that. No, but at the same time, it's much more rewarding doing something you love Amen. than working every day and being miserable at it. That's for sure. No, no doubt. So listen, Johnny, this is the Midland Money Mindset. Okay. And we talk a lot about mindset, mental health, and things of that nature. We ask every guest the same last question, which I'm going to do the same for you which is what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Ooh, this will be good for a money podcast. (laughs) Almost every weekday morning, I either watch a home walkthrough of some super cool Florida mansion that has like all this outdoor living and like super high ceilings in the living room and like all this modern architecture stuff or a walkthrough or review of a super or hypercar. So like Koenigsegg or Bugatti or Pagani, okay. McLaren, Ferrari, Lamborghini, just because when I was growing up, I didn't know anybody who had anything like that. And I didn't even know it was real. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that those forms of like functional art Like making things beautiful for the sake of beauty, Mm -hmm. making things awesome for the sake of being awesome is 
so inspiring to me. So I try to start every single day with some type of like exposure to functional art. And a lot of times that is like architecture or automotive design, just because you see excellence. Like the first thing you see in the morning is like, this car goes 303 miles an hour (laughs) for no reason other than we wanted to see if we could go faster than 302. And I'm like, I freaking need to see people operating in excellence, not for the sake of beating other people, not for the sake of like earning a record, but just like, hmm, can we do better than we did yesterday? You know? Amazing. Amazing. I love it. I love it. And listen, I got to thank you for spending time with us today, Johnny. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to have all your information about Cope Notes in the show notes and you. But if people want to contact you and learn more about Johnny and Cope Notes, what's the easiest and best place for them to go do that? I strongly recommend copenotes.com. We'll have almost everything you need. johnnycrowder.com has everything you need about me. And then if you are a social media person, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I think LinkedIn is probably where you're most likely to run into me. Great, great. Well, listen, thanks for taking out the time for sharing with us and our listeners. We appreciate it and make it a great day. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, brother. I want to thank Johnny Crowder for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Johnny is on a mission to help people cope, live a better life, and find the support they need. I mean, listen, Johnny has saved them tattooed across his knuckles. I mean, if that doesn't tell you who he is, then nothing will. Be sure to check out Cope Notes and see how it may be able to help you, your family, or even your company. Johnny and Cope Notes can be found across all social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.